Hey, welcome everybody. We are glad you've joined us this morning for uh, what we call Vision Weekend, uh, constitutionally uh, two times a year at our annual meeting and our mid-annual meeting. Um, uh, we uh, make reports to our church and uh, we call this mid-annual uh, celebration Vision Sunday. And um, <clears throat> you mentioned, uh, you heard Ronnie mention at the top uh, of the, our service, if you, uh, if you missed that, um, there's a whole bunch of reports that typically uh, you would get that have to do with our, our finances and uh, there's all sorts of uh, charts and so forth that you see uh, having to do with our growth and so forth. One of the most important things that we uh, are required constitutionally to list is our uh, uh, financial report and also a listing of new members who've become uh, members uh, since our uh, annual celebration. And I'll tell you, covid has had a real impact on Big that. Time. Uh, we are excited that we have 13 new members, but my goodness, <laughs> uh, there'd be probably three or four times that number uh, right now. Normally, yeah. uh, But we've only had one 101 membership class uh, this year thus far. And uh, so due to COVID, um, we've missed having uh, an additional two or three classes that we haven't uh, been able to do. Um, but I wanna encourage you, you can go on to our uh, website and you can uh, see those reports. And uh, I want to encourage you that uh, you guys haven't been around here to see our, our uh, new offices that are under uh, construction. Man, it's beginning to really look like a building now. And uh, in fact, I love uh, at the entrance, they're beginning to put the rock work in and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've walked through it a couple times over the last uh, you know, week or so with people. Yeah. And it's just cool to see, uh, man, they're getting ready to start texturing. They'll begin painting after that. And uh, so by this fall, we're going to be uh, into, our, into our new digs. And uh, again, we remind you, you know, that's just, that's part of our budget. Um, we're moving rent dollars to uh, finally own uh, our, own, uh, our own office. And so we appreciate so much how you guys have made that happen. Now, I'm willing to bet, <clears throat> and I'm sure you would agree with me, most of you did not tune in to... Um, pay attention to uh, financial reports and all that kind of stuff, probably it's because you got a video by email announcing that there is an intentional transition of the role of senior pastor that's underway here. In fact, it's, it's been underway for years, and we want to explain that to you and tell you about it. But um, for the next three months, uh, Pastor Shane is going to be serving as co-senior pastor of North Point. And uh, then uh, as a recommendation and a affirmation of our church's pastoral team and our administrative leadership team, uh, we're presenting him. Uh, you, come by constitution, will, uh, will confirm and affirm him as our new senior pastor uh, on November the 1st. And um, so uh, this, is a, this is a big, big Sunday. And... Uh, and we're glad that you've tuned in to, to kind of learn more about it. And really what we want to talk to you about is the way forward uh, for North Point. There's, you know, there's like three um, questions that I want to um, address this morning. Um, one of them is, why are we doing this? And then why are we doing it now? And then uh, the third is, you know, why, are we, why have we adopted the kind of the process? So, so over our time this morning, we want to deal that. I just, you know, to, to start though, I, I just want to make clear, you know, uh, I've not had uh, some other church contact me to come be its pastor. Um, 
they wouldn't want an old guy anyway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not, my health, I haven't had any change in health that's happened. COVID hasn't, you know, driven me out of my mind that I've just, I've got to go, I'm not being pushed out by any, by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, and so uh, I just want to say, I'm just have realized that it's time for me to relinquish the responsibilities of being senior pastor. And uh, there's a whole process that we've been underway to, um, to do that. And honestly, we have been looking forward to this, this day. In fact, we were going to do this back in May. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, due to uh, COVID-19, um, we, uh, we postponed it and we thought, well, let's wait till we get back to uh, more normal, normal kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, here we are in July and we're just realizing that, you know what, um, it's vision weekend. I mean, how could we authentically be challenging our church about the future vision and not be talking about what yes. we know has been, has been so important? And so uh, both of us today uh, want to be uh, talking to you about um, kind of why we've done that. And by the way, I'm glad that Shane... Got the memo about wearing. I, now, listen, if we were two women, one of us would have gone back home and changed, okay? But uh, truth is, he called me this morning, just so we're all clear. <laughs> he wanted to know. And, but my wife said, no, 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 no. As long as you don't clash, you're fine. So I guess we're in the same uh, color uh, yeah. season or whatever here today. But uh, uh, that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. Now, why are we doing something called an intentional transition to a senior pastor. And I would just say to you, because we're doing it because we think that's the healthiest way for our church to have a transition in leadership. And, um, and you know, uh, we really want to talk today about uh, church health. And um, uh, that's probably the most important thing we want to use this time as we talk about this process to emphasize is church health. Yeah. And we want to read to you a scripture that you'll see on your outline, Ephesians chapter 3. Just this great passage about the church. Paul writes and he says, I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to be strong in your inner selves. And I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love so that you together with all God's people may have the power to understand how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. Yes, you may come to know his love, although it can never be fully known, and so be completely filled with the very nature of God. To him who by means of his power working in us, the church, is able to do so much more than we could ever ask for or even think of. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ for all time, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's, that's a powerful passage of scripture. And what Paul is speaking to here is a vision over the church. And so Pastor Steve and I, we're going to talk about that here, and particularly as it relates to a change for, for he and myself. Mm -hmm. And it's a good opportunity to explain the church's vision for pastoral ministry. Yes. In fact, uh, you know, um, there's a phrase, a hinge of history is turning mm -hmm. today. Uh, it really is, and uh, honestly, it's a great teachable moment uh, for us to, to have the opportunity to, to talk about five very important ideas about pastoral uh, ministry and our vision at our church for that. Here's the first one, and that is eternal purposes, not personalities, drive our church. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I want to say this is one of the things that makes uh, that make churches different than cults. Cults are always a, you know, they're basically they're a, they're a personality driven uh, kind of a thing, and uh, the church is never to be driven by personalities, but it's to be driven by purposes. In fact, I've liked to joke over the years that you know to make sure that our church has not been driven by personality is to have a senior pastor who doesn't have much of one you know and uh, in fact i have a a friend who uh who joked uh one time about that he said he he wanted to be a mortician and was told he didn't have enough personality for it so he decided to go into ministry instead and uh and i realized that that's the way sometimes uh, we as pastors uh, come across but what i want to say is you know over the years here uh, as we've had different leaders transition out, one of the things that's clear, though, is that our purposes haven't changed. In fact, God has five eternal purposes for us, and uh, that's why we're called a purpose-driven church. In fact, uh, uh, we've emphasized this, uh, uh, that those five eternal purposes, worship and fellowship and discipleship, ministry and evangelism, those are the things that the church is really driven by. In fact, if I could put it this way, those are the operating system for our church. A, a church can have unlimited numbers of programs that it, that it has, but those programs are driven by the five eternal purposes, and, uh, and we've talked about those here. And uh, the, as we said earlier, uh, church health, not growth, is our focus. And uh, that, that's just a very important thing to, uh, to emphasize, that God knows that these five eternal spiritual purposes, not just for the church, but for our lives, actually produce health and, uh, and balance. And, you know, healthy things will grow. Yeah. We've really never been worried here about, uh, though we've wanted to have growth, we've never been worried about being the biggest church in town or you know, having the fastest growing church or, or whatever, um, because we knew that growth would, would take care of, its, of itself. But when my kids were growing up, I wasn't constantly measuring, okay, now how tall are you this week, you know? And uh, I knew that, you know, my goodness, uh, as Jean uh, fed us healthy meals in our home and as our kids got proper rest and exercise, I mean, that they were gonna grow as long as they were healthy. And so health, not growth, is our focus. In fact, this is why I've always loved this verse from Isaiah 61, verse three, that says, speaking of God's people, it says they'll be called oaks of righteousness. That is such a beautiful statement. Oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord to display his glory. Uh, in fact, uh, that verse actually graces uh, the wall of our, uh, of our worship center um, right next to the, the tree emphasizing our, our purposes because we want to emphasize that God, this is how God builds the lives of his people and I love they're called oaks of righteousness. You know, oaks grow very slowly. And so, you know, slow growth is okay. As long as there's growth, as long as there's health, um, it, it will come. But these are the purposes, and they're how God actually develops the persons who are part of his church. In fact, if you'll write this down, the people are the greatest legacy of our ministry. Uh, the people are the greatest legacy of our ministry. See, people filled with God's love and living by his purposes. I want to say the greatest legacy isn't a campus. It's not growth charts. It's not records that are set. It's not, you know, we had great events and wonderful concerts. Hmm. Uh, the real legacy of a church 
uh, are the people. And, and we like to use this Sunday when we give reports out, just to remind you that every number has a name and every name has a story and every story is part of God's story of how he's building his church to his glory and his honor. The hmm. people are the greatest legacy. Wow. And, and you know, you can see from the next two scriptures that the New Testament really demonstrates this principle my goodness, Paul the Apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, speaks about it two times that we've listed here. Notice what he says about the persons of the church, the people. He says to the Thessalonians, for you are our hope, our joy, and the crown that we will be proud of when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. Truly, you are our glory and our joy. Paul is saying that it's people who are the evidence of the ministry. As you said just a moment ago, Steve, that it's not about the charts and the buildings. It's mm -hmm. about the people. In fact, he writes another letter to the church in Corinth. And uh, the background of this is he's talking about credentials and speaking to what his credentials are. And he says, you know, you yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. And he says, and we, as leaders of the church, we publish it. Mm. <laughs> that is a powerful thing. Mm. That the church is all about the change in people, the lives of people, the love that is demonstrated by people. In fact, uh, we're going to be talking about this and, and uh, the, the purposes that exist in the lives of people and how God uses these purposes to build us. That whenever God is doing the church, it's the purposes that Pastor Steve mentioned that God is after. In fact, we have a series of messages that are going to be coming beginning next week that we're calling Unchanging God's Eternal Purposes for You and for Me. That's because, you know, we just finished this uh, series, or we're finishing it today, all about vision and how you navigate with vision through change. But God says there are some things that are never going to change. Mm -hmm. There are some things that will always exist where my church is, and that's these five eternal purposes. And so we're going to spend time talking about that. So... We're not personality-driven, we're purpose-driven. And you know, it only makes sense that a purpose-driven church ought to have a purposeful process mm -hmm. of changing the key leaders uh, at the top of the, of the church's leadership structure. And so, here's something I've noticed. Here's the second thing we want to emphasize, and that is that biblical leaders were appointed, not just elected or hired. And, um, and, I, and I, I use that wording. They're, they were appointed, not just elected or hired because you know uh, in my experience growing up the way it happened in churches I grew up in churches and uh, you know the the pastor would retire or he'd get called to another ministry for whatever reason when when he left it always became a big crisis because you know a committee got formed to have a search team and um, and then they would get they bring candidates and they decide here's one we think maybe is uh, God's leader for us and that person would come and preach for a Sunday. And then the church, uh, the churches that I was in, uh, the church voted on that. And uh, often what happened, especially if you had a pastor who had really had an effective ministry and stayed 10 years or more, uh, what would often happen is for like the next couple of years, people would leave the church. And, and, um, and typically that guy who came after a long pastor's ministry would get arrows in the back, constantly being compared and all that kind of stuff. 
And then finally, that person would leave after about two years. Then the next person would come in and sometimes stay another 10 years or 15 years or whatever. And I watched that growing up. And I've seen that happen right here in this city. And, uh, and just realized, you know, uh, there's got to be a better way than that. And I began to notice this thing that, that in the Bible, leaders were appointed. In fact, a uh, couple verses you see on the notes if you've printed them out. Uh, they're coming up on the screen. Paul and Barnabas uh, appointed elders in every church uh, with prayer and fasting, and they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord whom they put their trust. And so what it says is after careful and prayerful selection, uh, they, they uh, appointed uh, leaders in the church. Titus 1, uh, Paul writes to a, a young minister, Titus, and he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you could uh, put things in, in order and appoint elders in every town. And um, one, one of the things that I became convinced of, and that is, is that God gifts certain people to be leaders of the church. And as leaders of the church, they are, they're more aware of the needs of the church. They see the critical issues for the church. Um, they're the people who God has gifted to have a vision to look farther down the river in the language that we have been using in this series and to see things. And those people are really the ones who probably would be most effective at not, not just some elected committee, but but they would be the ones who really ought to be thinking about who are the leaders that, that should come um, for the church. And so uh, as our church began to grow and develop and as we got more, more pastors, this became a conviction of mine that the, that the pastors are really the ones who are to be leading the church mm-hmm. and that there ought to be a process by which they uh, help uh, affirm who they think the next pastor is. And then the church, because constitutionally we do it here, the church by its vote affirms that and says, yeah, we really believe that this is, uh, in fact, the leader that, uh, that God has chosen for. So starting at about 2003 to 2005, it became a focus of mine um, to really want to develop pastoral leaders here and help them to be healthy leaders, uh, to help our church really be healthy. And, uh, and I want to say, if you'll write this down, leaders, they really, they must serve their way into leadership. Um, in the Bible, the way you get into a position of leadership is that you serve your way into that, into that position. In fact, um, this, is, this is Jesus' way of, of, of doing this. Uh, he said in Matthew 20, 25 to 28, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority and uh, over those under them. Um, but among you, it'll be different. He says, in my church, I really want you to do it differently. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must, notice that word must, that's a word of moral necessity, must be your servant. For even the Son of Man, and that's the way Jesus loved to refer to himself, it was his favorite term for himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, by the way, this is why we love the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. Um, not because he had great authority, not because he could command you know, the, the uh, Sea of Galilee to be quiet and cast out demons, not because he was a wise, great teacher. We love the Lord because of his love, because he served and he gave himself for us, ultimately by laying down his life for us on a cross. That's why we love the Lord. And, uh, and Jesus says, 
um, I want you to, to love like that. I mean, if there was ever a person in history who deserved to have everything go his way, it was Jesus of Nazareth. But his whole life was about giving to others and serving them. And, and by the way, that's how you get into leadership here yeah. uh, at North Point. Every one of our pastors are people who have carved out a ministry of serving other people. And uh, that is certainly true of this guy who's sitting on the other side of the, of the table here. But let me, let me just tell you, let me give you a little background. Pop the hood here for a moment, let you know something about this process. Sometime around 2005, 2006, I began to feel that, you know, it would be really good if there was a way intentionally, because of this thing of appointed leaders, if there could be some way that, that we could be shaping and developing the next leader who would be the senior pastor uh, here at North Point. And I wondered, you know, if churches done that. I'd heard of some churches that did an intentional transition, and uh, I'd heard of about a handful of them. Two of them were disastrous, hmm. totally disastrous, and three of them had gone quite effectively. So in 2008, I had a, the opportunity to have a sabbatical, and I wanted to uh, study those and then some of you have been around here a long time. You remember I had a bicycle accident, really dumb uh, thing. And uh, so much for that sabbatical. And, but I kept uh, thinking about this. I wrote down some principles that I thought would uh, be a way in which we could do this in a healthy way. Well, by the time I got a sabbatical again in 2015, because every seven years here, our pastors, we think that's healthy, uh, have a seven-week sabbatical. And um, so uh, by then, by 2015... Now there was research done, and uh, there's probably 50 or 60 churches that have done this thing of an intentional yeah. um, transition. And it was amazing how so many of the things they point, the best practices that, uh, from them, as I read those, lined up with things that I had studied and thought about and felt uh, were, really, were really true. And, um, and uh, let, me, let me just mention to you how some of that's worked out. In fact, in some of the... Some of the intentional transitions that have really worked the best, the way typically they do it is a senior pastor would decide, well, I'm gonna, I, I want to step out of this role maybe in two years. So let's go find somebody from outside, bring them in, and let them begin to preach and teach because they understood you know, that really the, the feeders become the leaders of the people. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then sometime about... Uh, uh, maybe 18 months out, uh, we will begin to let people know there's going to be an intentional transition. And then somewhere about 12 months out, uh, this person will serve as, as co-senior pastor with me and to warm people of the idea. And then, you know, uh, however the change happened in that particular church, they'd step out. And, um, and you know, the thing that I loved is that um, uh, by the time I learned more about these best practices, well, we'd already begun developing a teaching team here because... We felt it was healthy for people to hear more than one voice. First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about that. And um, so I knew that we already had some leaders who were, who were teaching and feeding our people. And I have to tell you that, that sometime around, uh, just looking at the date here, sometime around 2010, I was sitting in the worship center, I'll never forget it, right over in this side of the worship center, sitting and you were standing up here preaching. Hmm. And I remember, uh, I suddenly, as I was hearing you preaching, I thought, you know what? That guy is really preaching this morning like the senior pastor of this church, like a shepherd. 
And I remember going home and saying to Gene, it was almost like a field of dreams. Remember the movie where yeah, Kevin Costner's character, you know, hears this voice saying, you know, if you build it, they will come. And he, and he asked his wife, did you hear that voice? And, and Gene's thinking, are you hearing voices or what? You know, and <laughs> I said, but, but did you hear Shane's voice this morning? Because I heard him speaking like a, like a senior leader. I, I think maybe he's supposed to be the guy. Because at that point, we had several great leaders here mm-hmm. teaching and leading. I, I said, I, I really think maybe he's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to be the, the next senior pastor. And then I had a conversation with Ronnie about it uh, within a few months. Gene a couple times came home and said, I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. So I had a conversation with Ronnie because, of course, Ronnie is our executive pastor. You know, I mean, uh, I needed to be certain, you know, Ronnie, do you have a desire to, um, you know, to lead and, and uh, become senior pastor? Because the answer to that question would be critical about how we would go forward from yeah. there. And he made it clear, now, nah, you know, I really feel called to lead from the second chair as uh, really what is, in, in essence, the chief of staff here. And he is a fantastic leader. In fact, yeah, he's, he he's going to be staying. He's going to, I know, be your yeah. right-hand guys as he's been mine. And... Uh, but he said, uh, if that's true, we need to talk to Shane about it. And so uh, I remember that we started talking to you somewhere around 2012. Yeah. And then beginning in 2013, we began intentionally kind of strategizing. Yeah. So seven years ago. Yeah, it's been a uh, uh, To this day. And then uh, two years ago, uh, we talked to our, our rest of our pastoral team to say, you know, this is what the three of us feel uh, God's lead, and they affirmed it. And then last fall, our administrative leadership team affirmed the same thing. And um, so, you know, here we are. Um, here we are today. And our plan, of course, in May was to say, let's do a five-month thing, you yeah. know, because our people know you. Yeah. And uh, and then we just couldn't keep putting it off. And so uh, now it's a three-month uh, three-month thing, and I I think that's great. But I, I tell you, I'm just you know, if I could use a uh, an analogy from baseball. I'm, I'm just glad that we've had a good bench of hmm. leaders here. Hmm. And so it's made this, uh, um, this transition. In fact, can I tell a little story here? Yeah, do it. Um, one Sunday, uh, you were preaching, and I, so I, was, I just came to the service, you know, I was going to sit out here, and I walked in behind these two gals, and I heard them talking, and they had no idea I was standing right behind them, you know, as we were hmm. coming in. And I heard them say, oh, yeah, Shane's speaking today. And one of them says, Oh, he's my favorite. I love to hear him. And, and I <laughs> wow. just remember, I just thought to myself, it's working. <laughs> wow. It's working. Wow. And, uh, so. Well, and this whole thing that you've been describing about serving your way into leadership, that's something that is never going to change here. We will mm. always operate that way because here's the third thing that we want you to write down and internalize this, that teams of leaders, teams of people are always preferred. Mm. Now, we say that because this is a biblical idea. It is a very biblical idea that Steve has been leading us toward here. I mean, you think about this. Jesus didn't gather just one person. He gathered 12 people. When Jesus, uh, you know, was gathering groups, he gathered 72, and then he didn't set them out, send them out individually. He sent them out two by two. Mm-hmm. This idea of going in groups, my goodness, even in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one because together they have a good return for their work. In fact, this is a fascinating thing when you begin to talk about 
the pastoral leadership or what's called the eldership of the church because there's an incredible scripture here in 1 Peter that you need to see that really does in many ways guide what we're talking about. Notice it here. It says in 1 Peter, to the elders among you, Peter writes, I appeal as a fellow elder. Now, first, I want for you to notice here that there's a plural. He says, to the elders among you, not just the elder. And then notice how they're described. He says, be shepherds, again, plural, of the flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. (laughs) Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to, there it is again, Pastor Steve, serve. Hmm. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Hmm. Hmm. Now, notice, this is a very interesting passage of scripture because in addition to the fact that there's more than one, he's actually using three different terms to describe the role of the pastor within the church. Hmm. You just see it here. In fact, you might just underline them. He talks about the elders, but these same elders are are to be shepherds over God's flock, and they're also to serve as overseers. Now, this is important. He's talking here about the same role or position within the church. Now, I know, and Pastor Steve, you know, there are lots of churches that do it all sorts of different ways. There are churches that have separated these out, and you have elders that are different from the pastors, and the pastors are different from the elders. There are some denominational groups that you'll see where then they have bishops that are distinct and different from the pastors, but we believe here at North Point, because we just see it simply from the New Testament here, that this passage is pointing out one role hmm. that's really multifaceted. It's the same guys. Same he's guys. He's talking to the same guys, calling them all three things. Yeah, and, and he's talking about, though, different aspects of the position. Hmm. So, you know, the way I like to think of it is like a diamond. In fact, let's show you this little picture here of a diamond. You may notice whenever you look at a diamond that a diamond has hundreds of facets, and the facets aren't actually individual parts of the diamond. You know it's just one diamond, but, but as you turn that diamond, it flashes. And, and as it turns, you look at the diamond with new perspectives. And hmm. So what this passage is describing is the multiple facets of the job of a pastor or an elder. Hmm. In fact, we just have you write these things down because it's a teachable moment that hmm. we understand the role of the pastor within a church. First, that the role of the pastor is to be a bishop or an overseer. And that has to do with the responsibility that's given to oversee the church. In fact, in the Greek, it's episkopeo. And it's the idea that I am charged with looking at the administration of the church and giving that oversight. And then there's not just the the bishop responsibility, overseer responsibility, there's also the pastor responsibility. It's the Greek word, pomeno, and it has to do with being a shepherd of the flock. You're you're shepherding the flock or you're feeding the flock. In fact, Pastor Pastor Steve said it well. He said, you know, the the feeders are the leaders of the church. And then uh, Peter mentions here not just the, the bishop and the pastor, but he also mentions the elder, And the elder has to do with the spiritual maturity that's required. Presbyteros is the Greek word there. And and so you can see that this is a multifaceted kind of role in guiding the church. Mm. Yeah. And in fact, uh, that's critical for everybody that's a pastoral leader here. And I just want to say, I I probably don't need to say this, uh, but I'm going to. Uh, Maybe I do need to 
have you hear me say this, but this guy sitting across the table from me has all these things in spades. Uh, in fact, um, I have really been looking forward to, to Shane emerging as the senior leader of our church because this guy is a better leader than I am in many ways. And, and he has so much uh, that he's, he, he's a great communicator. Uh, my goodness, he's a great thinker. Uh, he's a great organizer and, and leader of other people. In fact, one of the things that I really, uh, first, you really got on my radar screen as a great leader is how I watched when at first you took over men's ministry and the overseeing of the men's ministry and just watching how those guys began to thrive and grow and, and developed leadership team among them. Now we've got one of the healthiest men's ministries uh, in, in this whole valley and it was like, wow, uh, that guy's, he, he's a great organizer. I mean, he's got people skills uh, galore. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just love that. And I, I think probably the thing that um, has uh, impressed me uh, the most about Shane is just his character, um, especially his humility. And I hate to say it because I don't want to blow your head up, buddy, but, um, uh, you know, it's difficult for somebody to talk for seven years about moving into a leadership role and not get antsy about that and get, and get pushy about it. And, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget, um, uh, in, in somewhere around 2012, when, we, when, sh when uh, Ronnie and I talked to you, mm -hmm. I never forget, bring, brought you into the office with us, and I just said, you know, I just really believe, Shane, that, that uh, God's going to raise up a leader from within us, and I think that uh, to succeed me as senior pastor, and I think you're that guy. And I will never forget, I, I just said, what, what do you think about that? And I'll never forget you said, it scares me to death if yeah. you want to know what, it, what, it, uh, yeah. what I think about it. And I just remember saying to you, well, that's good. Hmm. It should. Because, you know, this is a big deal, man. This is God's hmm. church. Hmm. This is God's flock. And, uh, in fact, if you'll write this fourth thing down, the church's future always matters most. Hmm. And, uh, and that was the thing that I was really wanting to, to get across is that, you know, Shane, this is bigger than you or me, bud. And uh, becoming a senior pastor, that's not just a resume builder. It's not a stepping stone to go somewhere else. Uh, it really is got to be because God's hand is in this because there's been too much labor and sacrifice and prayer and intentionality over years to build the church, hmm. to pass the baton to somebody who's really not uh, prepared well to, to hmm. step into that role. And that, I, you know, honestly, your humility at that point um, um, touched me deeply because I know he's been preparing you yeah. just like he's been pre preparing us as a church for that. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. Well, and the truth is, and I guess I, I want to tell you, I've told Pastor Steve, but this entire process has been well, I, I want to say it's been awkward for me because I've been so humbled by it. It's a humbling thought because um, this man, he, he's, he's my father in the faith, I feel like. And he has uh, spoken into my life so consistently and so well and exampled for me. Gosh, I came to North Point to hide out because <laughs> I didn't think I should be in any kind of spiritual leadership. And mm -hmm. you and uh, Gene uh, restored Melissa and I to a place of, mm -hmm. of being able to even consider that we do that. And then, and so the whole process over these last, yeah, almost seven years is since we started talking, I drive by the campus and I just, 
I just think, I just cannot believe that. I feel like you're Moses, and it's like you're leading us to the promised land, but then you're saying, you get to be the one to go in. I mean, we're building offices right now. And I'm thinking, it doesn't feel right that you're not going to be the, the guy. I'm, I am never going to sit in the senior pastor. That thing was supposed to be done in February, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was supposed to be able to enjoy that for a few months at least. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, this is your leadership legacy, I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, it's very humbling. Well. She'd be handing it off. Well, but you know, it's not mine. That's the thing. It's not mine. Uh, the, church, the church matters the most. It's, the, it's God's church. That's what he's doing. And, and you know, the, the cool thing for me, Shane, I got into ministry in 1975. In fact, one of the reasons why I've thought, I'm turning 66 in October, and, uh, and uh, in October of 75, I got ordained as a pastor because an older pastor in his 70s said, I think I've heard you want to be a pastor. Why don't you come out and serve this little church out in Easton? Hmm. Only about 50, 60 people that were part of it. And... Uh, and he said, why don't you come out? He said, I think that I'm getting ready to, to uh, be done with pastoring. And, but why don't you come out and work with me? And after you've worked with me six, eight, nine months, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resign. And I'll bet you the people will call you as their pastor. I was 21. I was a college student. That was my first church. Wow. And, uh, and basically, it's because somebody uh, said, I, I'd like to hand a ministry to you. And then in 1988... Uh, a guy named John Turner, who actually is the launching pastor hmm. for for North Point. At that time, we, it was called Van S Community Church. Hmm. I remember John calling me and saying, "Hey, uh, Steve, we've uh, we've started a worship service in Northwest Fresno as a uh, part of the First Southern Baptist Church." He was the senior pastor of First Southern Baptist Church of Fresno. Uh, this was in '88, June of '88. And he called and he said, you know, we're, we're not sure if this will be a satellite uh, service of ours. Really, multi-site uh, is really what he had in mind. He was way ahead of his time, you know, in terms of thinking multi-site. So maybe this will be a, a site that will be a satellite. And I wonder if, if, like, you'd like to come work with me. And I just said, no, I, I felt like um, God had, was uh, prompting me to look for an opportunity that I could build something from the ground up. I was a pastor of another church. That's another that's a story we've told here before. But anyway, um, but I remember just saying, well, John, uh, I'm not interested in that, and I don't have a dog in this fight. So I would just tell you that, John, I can tell you're really excited about this new church. Maybe you need to go be the, maybe you should uh, resign out of your role with First Southern and go just let that be its own new church out of Northwest Fresno. I think you ought to pray about that. Well, he did, and he called me back uh, couple weeks later and he said I was in a prayer meeting and God told me Steve Williams is supposed to be the pastor of this church and I remember when he told me that you know your response my response was well when God tells me that you know I'll take that seriously you know and so um, but honestly uh, John handed me the opportunity of a lifetime because uh, there's a guy who was so excited about something new and he basically just said you know we've got a core group about 50 people and 50 adults, and, um, and he literally handed something that has become the joy of my life. Uh, it's become an opportunity of a life. I feel like I was put on planet Earth to be pastor of North Point Church. And the, 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 here's the whole point I'm trying to say. This is bigger than us. Wow. Uh, this is not my church. This is God's church. It's his idea. Mm-hmm. And so I just see you as uh, continuing. I, I will say, though, that uh, this day will come for you someday, yeah. too. And, you know... Mm-hmm. 
uh, unselfish leaders are always looking farther down the river and they're, wow. they're thinking about what's going to come after them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a great uh, verse uh, I came across in my quiet time this last week about King Hezekiah. Uh, it's on your notes if you've printed those out. And um, King Hezekiah, God has a word and he says, you know, Hezekiah, the time's going to come. Babylon's going to conquer Jerusalem. They're going to carry everything you've got off. And, uh, and uh, one of your own sons will be king at that time, and he's gonna, he'll carry him off uh, too. And he's going to carry him away into exile. And it says, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, who gave that prophecy, he says, well, this message you've given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking to himself, at least there will be peace and security in my lifetime. That's pretty self-absorbed. Hmm. And um, honestly, um, uh, God wants that. Uh, to not be that way with his church. And so uh, this, this really isn't a matter. It's not my church to, to give. It's, it's God's church. In fact, here's the fifth thing. Uh, the, the final last point I want to say, and that is that God actually builds and blesses his work through, trans- through transitions. Hmm. That God actually has different leaders in mind that he wants to do different stuff through. And so uh, we are all temporary stewards of the positions that we hold and the opportunities that we're given and the leadership that we're entrusted with. And, um, you know, you are an interim pastor too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. will be, uh, you know, Lord uh, willing, we believe. Um, I don't know how much, how long, but at some point, uh, God's going to transition again. That's part of how he builds his work. Yeah. That's his way. Yeah, that's really true. In fact, that's why Paul writes to Timothy and, and look what he says. He says, take the teachings that you've heard from me and proclaim in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will be able to teach others also. Again, that's the, that's the biblical process of transition mm-hmm. that you've been yep. talking about. Yep. And honestly, Steve, exampling, because, you know, Steve really has, when he talks about the length of time this is taken, he's, he's not kidding you. In fact, it really goes something like this. This is sort of how he has led. You can see, we've written it out here for you to see on the screen, but it began with him just doing it alone. And, and that's what a leader does. He says, I have to do it alone. But then he, he brings somebody like me and the other pastors, and he said, I'm still going to do it, but you need to watch me and watch how I do it. And then he talks about the history of our church and developing a preaching team and bringing others alongside and sharing responsibility because he said, you know, you try it with me and we'll both begin to grow. And then he begins to say to me, now you do it alone and I'm gonna watch you do it. (laughs) And now he's saying to me, you do it alone and invite others because you're gonna go through this transition. Mm. And and Steve, that's what you did. Mm. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. Honestly, tr- because of transitions, <clears throat> leaders are supposed to be working their way out of the job. Yeah. Parents do that. You know, we, kids are totally dependent on us. We want to get them totally independent of us, mm. cleared for takeoff, mm. you know. And, uh, yeah, but just to be clear, you still have a job. <laughs> you still have a job well, with us. I do. In fact, and, why don't you I'm share what, what you're going to be doing? Well, uh, yeah. So, so my title won't be senior pastor. My title is going to be North Point founding pastor because... Uh, that uh, helps people understand that the guy who helped the thing get founded and established b- believes in the leadership that mm. that is here. Is your you'll be my senior pastor, mm. and uh, I'm going to be involved in something called North Point Bible Institute. In fact, we got that rolling already. We've got 125 people, almost 
almost to the end of the first semester of that. Yeah. That's going to keep That's me awesome. hopping for like the next four years. That's mm -hmm. why we haven't started it already. I knew I couldn't do that and be senior pastor. And I am really excited. That's a primary thing. Yeah. I'll be a part of the teaching team on the weekends and, and services. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll still have a chair at the table for things related to the executive management of our church and mm -hmm. so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, involved in peace plan and, and other things around. Uh, doing pastoral care is my time and relationships, uh, you know, allow me to, to do that. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm just thrilled. But the thing I'm most excited about is I'm going to have a senior pastor. And I, I just want to say, this is a vision weekend. Why don't you, why don't you tell us something of your vision hmm. as you look down hmm. the river and, and what you see coming for us. Hmm. What excites you? Well, um, boy, so many things. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, as we've been saying the last two years, we just want to keep going forward in faith. Hmm. And you know, one of the things that uh, I'm excited that we do, for example, down the road, there's going to come a certain point at which we've really reached our capacity here as a campus to be able to seat Everybody now. I realize in these days of COVID, uh, everybody's in their homes. But we're yeah. we're sort of looking further down the river past oh, that. Oh yeah, COVID's a bleed. Yeah, it's, it's going to be just a screen. just a quick speed bump. It is. And as our campus fills up here, we're going to see the need that boy. Let's start doing some multi-site campuses. Frankly, all over the valley, wherever God leads us to do that. One of the exciting things about that for me and our pastoral team and thinking about that vision. Well, number one, just so that you know. One of the things this COVID thing has done is it really has kind of taught us how to do online church yes. in a whole new way. And it's really prepared us to be able to do that really effectively. Mm. But, but you do multi-sites because when you plant something new, it is amazing the evangelism that takes place. I mean, uh, the fastest way to reach people with the gospel is you plant a new bush and watch you that bush grow. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so uh, us beginning to plant ourselves in other spots where we feel like there are the irreligious or the non-churched or people that need Jesus, we want to do that because we just want to reach people for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Of course, more, uh, one of the things we want to do is our, our continue to take our peace plan to another mm. level and our peace initiatives. Mm. We've just hired an incredible uh, peace yes. pastor, yes. missions pastor to help us to be able to do this. But in terms of our local outreach and our global influence and sending teams, mm. Steve, it'd be amazing if every month we had different teams mm. that were going overseas, reaching out to those that need Jesus. Yeah. As well as local. Yeah, as well as I, in local. In fact, I, I'm, I am so thrilled right here at the end of my uh, period of being senior pastor that we finally have a person in that key role. That's going to change North Point. As people truly are living out what it means to be on mission for Jesus yes. Christ globally and locally, yeah. it, it's going to change North Point. Man. But, uh, it, you know, and so we all remember that was one of the forward and faith yep. objectives that was yep. set for us by the end of this year. So yep. it's pretty cool that even the days of COVID, we are moving forward yes. in faith. And, uh, you know, a more immediate vision, for example, if you're familiar with our campus, just over here to my left, next to this building, uh, there is a building that we've just been calling the venue that is literally going to be transformed into a cafe-type venue. In fact, we're going to completely redo that thing that it almost is going to become an extension of the fellowship on our patio that people can go in. Not only is that going to increase our seating capacity, but I'm excited because it is a place that's going to be devoted to creating a positive faith environment for relationships to grow. Mm. Talk about local peace. Mm. I'm imagining, you know, after an ESL class 
and people have been taught the English language, or I'm imagining after somebody has gone to the clothing enough, the clothing closet to get clothes, somebody can walk them over to the cafe, sit down and just share the hope that they have in Jesus over a cup of coffee that we bought them. Yeah. And uh, that it's open throughout the week for people to do relationships. And that's gonna be awesome. It's gonna change the environment of the whole campus so that people are coming all week long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are some of the, some of the visions that are kind of, twirling in my mind. I remember asking you about a year ago, Shane, are you starting to dream dreams and see visions? And I remember you were saying, yeah, I am. Yeah. I said, well, you haven't been talking to me much about them. And he said, well, I'm not seeing your pastor yet. So so I'm just excited to see uh, those things coming about. Here's what we want to say. Here's the last thought. Would Hmm. you write this down? Hmm. Our conviction is this. North Point's greatest days are still to come. Hmm. And uh, in fact, if I could put it this way, I just... North Point is like an adolescent that's coming of age right now. Uh, we're not a grown-up, fully developed church yet. Far from it. But I'm excited to see, you know, what's going to be what's going to be coming from that. Me too. And that's uh, awesome. In fact, could I do this? Could I uh, just close this time by with this prayer uh, that we read right at the top? Uh, from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 20 I want to read it as a prayer in fact I want to ask you if you would do this at home would you uh, if you uh, it's going to come up on the screen uh, would you just uh, pray this prayer out loud as I read it let's make this our prayer for North Point okay here we go I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to be strong in your inner selves. And I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love so that you, together with all God's people, may have the power to understand how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. Yes, may you come to know his love, although it can never be fully known. And so be completely filled with the very nature of God. And to him who by means of his power working in us is able to do so much more than we can ever ask for or even think of. Mm. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.